Blog Talk Radio. Good morning in the ancient Paleo-Hebrew. 
I'm your host, your brother, your friend, as always, Tazapa. <clears throat> Welcome to the show, y'all. My goodness, the struggle has been real. For whatever reason, and I know Mashaba has explained this uh, on his broadcast yesterday. Blog Talk been tripping, man. Blog Talk has uh, got me pissed to the highest level of pissivity right now with their antics. I don't know what's going on, uh, but they've been tripping, man. That's why y'all have not heard uh, from us on a regular, on a consistent basis uh, like y'all are used to hearing. Uh, but that's what's going on, man. Um, and I just want to say this too, man. Blog talk is not like a regular podcast. And what I mean by that is we ain't get paid for this, y'all. <laughs> we ain't getting no proceeds from this. We ain't getting rich off of this, all right? We do this, and we ain't trying to get rich. We ain't trying to get rich. We ain't trying to get paid. None of that. We do this for the love of our people, for the love of the most high, the love of your house shy, and for the love of the word, man, and the love, the love for teaching uh, but it's been very frustrating, y'all. <clears throat> I just want to share this with y'all. Very, very frustrating to uh, be going through what we're going through, uh, going through with Blog Talk. As Mashaba, uh explained yesterday in his broadcast, we're looking to uh, venture off into other podcast spaces. Um, and, you know, hit us up, too, man, and give us y'all feedback, uh, what y'all feel about the situation or Maybe it's a podcast platform y'all would like to see us go to. Um, hit us up with the feedback, man. Your feedback is great, greatly appreciated. Greatly appreciated and greatly considered, man. And I just want to say the water, man, uh, for everyone that's been listening in, supporting Blog Talk, man, for these over 10-plus uh, years we've been keeping it going, man. But uh, welcome to the show, y'all. It's good to be back. <clears throat> good to be back, back teaching um, and researching and all that good stuff, man. So I want to send shouts out to uh, the brother schools, affiliated schools, our brothers here in San Antonio, our brothers down at H-Town. Um, special shout out to the brother Quartazop, man. Uh, counseled with him last night over this upcoming uh, trip we're planning to take, man, to the summit going down in Tampa uh, in January next month. But, uh, man, the scriptures always hold true, man, in the multitude of counsel, there is safety. Uh, the brother gave us a lot of insight, man, that we, uh, things we weren't thinking about. I know I wasn't thinking about from my end, but we were able to uh, hook everything up, man. So, <clears throat> All should go well, Lord willing, and uh, we make our trip, man. But shout-out to him. Shout-out to, to the other brothers down there at H-Town Wood. Uh, Shout-out to Kazakia up in VA, man. Kazakia, man. <laughs> Can't say enough about the brother. He be, he be dropping some great classes, man, but I love his sense of humor. He just be having me in stitches. Some of the stuff he be saying, man. He was going over... Uh, Isaiah, I think it's the 
the third or the fifth chapter where it talks about uh, how the Most High, the daughters of Zion, <laughs> with the short hair and the, the big bellies <laughs> and the stench, the stench and the cooch. <laughs> uh, but he had me rolling, man. He said, yeah, that's why a lot of these sisters <laughs> be walking around looking like Wakanda. <laughs> oh, that's funny, brother, man. <laughs> but uh, shouts out to him. Shouts out to uh, Zion Mala. Also, special shout out to you, Zion Mala, sir, for uh, your help in hooking up the uh, accommodations, man, for when we do touch ground in Tampa for the summit, man. Good looking out, man. Brother got right on it, hooked it up immediately, it seemed like. Uh, with no problems, man. So shout out to you, brother. The water, the water, much the waters to you and uh, Quatazop. Uh, shout out to uh, the brothers and ABQ. I believe ISIS uh, is he still here? Still here, helping the brothers in San Antonio uh, clear some land off uh, with some trees. Shout out to you, brother, and uh, shout out to the brothers that came with you. Shouts out to our brothers and sisters uh, in Cali, Canada, uh, ATL, and uh, shouts out to Kawakab down in Guatemala. <clears throat> All right, y'all. Let's go ahead and dig into the show. Bear with me. Bear with me. I had a super early morning. Uh, had to drop my uh, stepson off at the airport. Uh, the wee hours of the morning. So my sleep was interrupted. But we're going to do the damn thing, y'all. So um, let's get Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven. I'm sorry, I got interrupted. Let me read it again. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10. I'm sorry, verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the prayer we need to be sent up on the daily, brothers and sisters, so we can get the hell on, man. I'm sick. Sick of this place. Like the cat in Matrix said, man, it's the smell. I'm I'm tired of this place is trash, man. Especially with damn uh at the grocery store yesterday, man. Damn pineapples. It's damn near four dollars, man. Damn near four dollars. Strawberries, same damn thing. Damn near four dollars. The blueberries have been nine dollars and change for the last three months. Trust me, I've been checking. 
because these fruits I'm naming, man, are some of my staples, some of the must-haves that I, I be on on the daily, man. But uh, not no more. I guess I got to find me another go-to fruit. And it slipped my mind from sitting up here looking at this apple on the table. And FYI, y'all, for y'all information, they had a surplus of apples this year uh, back east. Uh, the surplus was so extensive that a lot of farmers are just letting their apples fall on the ground and rot out, man. So apples are cheap. Shame on me. It slipped my mind. I should have got some apples, man. That's about the cheapest fruit we can get at this time, man. And it's only going to get worse, man. This inflation is uh, going up. Going up. And I ain't talking about going up on the Tuesday. I'm talking about it's just going up in general. Things are high as hell. This is why this is why we're driving instead of flying to Tampa. <laughs> but yeah, man, send this prayer up, y'all, so we can get the hell on, man. And I know times is hard, they gonna get harder, but like the brother Kawa Cobb always say, man, this is good bad news, man. Good bad news. It's good in the sense that we know this kingdom known as Babylon, which I'm going to get into in a second, is on its way down, man. It's bad because we got to go through this mess. That's the bad part about it. Anyway, man, uh, let's get Psalms chapter 118, verse 24. I'm getting all these damn text messages. As soon as I get on... Psalms chapter 118 verse 20 This is the day which the Lord had made We will rejoice and be glad in it So good or bad, happy, sad The Most High brought you to it He'll bring you through it And you'll come out better On the other side because of it Please believe me Yep Got to roll with the punches. Damn, $4 pineapples, $4 strawberries. <laughs> this is the day that the Lord had made, y'all. <laughs> you can't be mad. You can't be mad. And also, Blue for Blog Talk. They're trying to get their money, too. I've seen that from Shabbos. <laughs> They're trying to get payment off some crappy service. Anyway, man. You get off my soapbox and you stop talking cash money crap about them so they cut it off. <laughs> if it's the first time tuning into the show, man, um, this is FYI. I know uh, y'all used to hear me on Tuesday, but I told you I wasn't going down, man. And Mashaba, you have to go back and change the title, man. I'm going to make this the Feast of Lights uh, after our conversation yesterday. I was like, yeah, I might as well go ahead and drop it. So, change the title. Anyway, uh, FYI, just go into a topic. I'm just bumping off at at the mouth right now, man, because it's been a minute, you know? It's been a minute. I feel like I need to catch up with everybody. Uh, so, this is what I want to get into. Give me just a second, All right. So let's go here, y'all. 
which one I want to get. This, this is where I want to go. Now, I usually don't do this. Uh, like I said, um, FYI, I usually just dive into a topic. But this was on my mind. <clears throat> All right, y'all. This is from Wikipedia. And the title is Janice. You don't say. All right, so what is Janus? Who is Janus? All right, in ancient Roman religion and myth, Janus, so we're talking about, when it says ancient Rome, it's talking about Roman uh, mythology, also known as Greek mythology. But what's interesting about Janus is Janus is not mentioned in the Greek pantheon. He is in the Roman pantheon, but not the Greek one. Hold on for a second, y'all. Hmm. Try and get this tea down. All right. It says an ancient Roman religion and myth. Janus uh, is the god of beginnings, gates, transitions, time, duality, doorways, passages, frames, and endings. He is usually depicted as having two faces. The month of January. (laughs) I hope y'all are listening. The month of January is named for Janice. So this is where the month January comes from. And I don't know if y'all knew this. But the the month January and February were added to the Gregorian the, the the Greek calendar, Gregorian calendar. They were added. Originally, they only had ten months. They added two months. This is one of the months they added. So the month of January is named after the Roman god Janus. And we find out, let me read this again, in ancient Roman religion and myth, Janus is the god of beginnings, hence New Year's Eve. You know, the thing that everybody's going to go buck wild and crazy and all type of debauchery and orgies and uh, wicked things are about to take place next, uh, not next, this. What what is it? Sun yeah, this Sunday. Ain't that something? <laughs> this Sunday is about to go down. It's crazy. I'm wondering how many people are gonna pop up in church on Sunday praising the Lord and then be at some New Year's Eve party getting faded. <laughs> getting faded. Turning up. Getting wild and loose. All right. In ancient Roman religion and myth, Janus is the god of beginnings, gates, transitions. Transitions. So the transition that they say is taking place on Sunday at midnight is a new year. (laughs) Is a new year, they say. Now let's think about this for a second, y'all. They said that January starts a new year. Let's look at nature 
in January, which is the winter time, right? Correct? It's the winter time, January, right? In the winter time, it's cold. Coming out of fall, so there's a lot of leaves still on the ground. That's why it's called fall, because the leaves fall off the trees. Anyway, this is how you can tell the seasons are changing by the weather, by nature, okay? So in the fall, the, the leaves fall off the tree. Then later on, in, when, when winter comes, the trees start to turn brown and they dry up. And there's not a leaf left on the tree. And in most places around the, the country, I'm speaking from a standpoint of the United States because where we at, it's cold. And some in a lot of places it's freezing. January, February, like the coldest months, man. But judging by nature, you can tell that, okay, we're not in fall anymore. The seasons have changed. And this cold weather, known as winter, will go on till about what? Early March, I believe. And then probably late March, you start to see a change in nature. You start to see the birds come back out. The ones that flew south for the winter start migrating back north. You start to see the, the bees and the flowers. The flowers first, then the bees, because the bees are pollinating the flowers, and they're uh, setting up nature for growth. This is where you get a lot of people uh, in their gardens. This is where you get a lot of uh, produce being uh, planted or transplanted from the house to the outdoors. It's springtime. My point in bringing all of this up, y'all, is because when you look in nature, you should be able to tell what season it is, whether it be winter, spring, summer, or fall. From January... I'm sorry, from December to January is not a change. So how the hell is it a new year? There's no change. It, it's cold, it's wintertime in December. <laughs> it's cold, it's wintertime in January. There's no change. It's just like they say a new day starts at 12 midnight. Once again, the Most High made all of these things for the use of man. That's what the Bible tells us. The moon is made for the use of man, the sun, all of this. It tells us that we, we, we tell the months by the moon. So nature is designed for us to keep track of what time of year it is and when the day starts and when the day ends. They say a day, a new day starts at 12 midnight. Okay, at 11.59, it's dark, right? 11.59 p.m., it's dark. At 12 a.m., it's still dark. So how the hell did the new day start? <laughs> you go from dark to dark, where's the change? All right, going back to this topic, from December to January, it's winter to winter. So how is it a change? How is it something starting over? That's not so. You do a little bit of research, not even a lot, and you'll find out, hell, just by nature, that a new year actually starts in the springtime when the cycle starts over, spring, summer, fall, winter, 
It's a cycle. Remember, y'all? Anyway, back to this article. The month of January is named for Janus. According to ancient Roman formers or almanac, Juno was mistaken as the Tatarian deity of the month of January. But Juno is the Tatarian deity of the month of June. All right? I hope you all are seeing this. So basically all the months are named after deities. I hope y'all see this. Why is it named after deities? Because we're living in the latter end of the Roman Empire. The Romans dealt heavily in pantheons. So did the Greeks. And the Romans adopted a lot of the pantheons of the Greeks. I hope you're understanding this. Reading on, it says, uh, Janus presided over the beginning and ending of conflict, and hence war and peace. The gate buildings in Rome named after him, not a temple, as it is often called, but an open enclosed enclosure with gates at each end were open in time of war and closed to mark the arrival of peace. As a god of transition, he funct- he had functioning pertaining to birth and to journeys and to exchange. I want us to listen to this good. As a god of transitions, he had functions pertaining to birth and to journeys and exchange. It's not a coincidence that everybody is doing what this time of year? Traveling. They're traveling, and they don't even know it. Don't even know it. They're worshiping indirectly Janus. Trust me. People are traveling their ass off. Like I said, I was at the airport this morning, dropping off my stepson so he could go court-ordered to spend time with his father in Atlanta. It's not a coincidence, y'all. When are people traveling the most around this time of year? So he, it says, as a god of transitions, he had functionings pertaining to birth and to journeys and exchange. And what's going on heavily this time of year? Exchanges. Whether you buy something online or whether you at the store buying something or you're ex- actually exchanging something for a bigger size or a smaller size or you're taking something back that you got for Nimrod's day, Christmas. I hope you all are seeing this, man. All of this goes together. We, we live in a pagan society. I, for as much as I love the book, The Two Babylons, and I have to go do more research. There are actually three Babylons, y'all. Three. I'm going to get to that in a second. Let me, let, me not, let me not ruin it. Let me read on. It says, and his association with Portimus, a similar harbor and gateway guide, he has concerning he he was concerned with traveling, trading, and shipping. 
Janice had no flaming or specialized priest assigned to him. Okay, I don't want to read that part. Let me jump down. Let's get, here it is. God of beginnings and passages. His function as a God of beginnings has been clearly expressed in numerous ancient sources. Among them, most notably, Cicero, Avad, and Vario, as a God of motion. Genesis looks after passages, causes action to start, and presides over all beginnings. Genesis over all beginnings, including what? Beginning of the supposed new year. I hope y'all are seeing this. And I got you too, cuz. My cousin Devin said he had been thinking <laughs> about this. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. Hope this is uh, giving some edification on the topic. All right, so it says God of change. Janice frequently symbolized change and transitions such as the the progress of past to future. And I don't know if I read this for y'all. Let me slow my mind down. So I don't know if y'all have seen those two-faced coins where you got a man's face that's facing one way and then that same face is facing the other way. That's Janice, y'all. That's Janice. He even got he even has a statue. Where's this statue at? Oh, this his statue, get this. His statue is actually at the Vatican Museum. The Vatican you know, where the, the Pope who's supposed to be so holy, they have a statue of Janice in the Vatican Museum. It's letting you know that they ain't got nothing to do with the most high. They're pagans. The whole uh, universal religion, which is Catholicism, that's what the word Catholicism means, universal, is paganism. They believe in polytheism. This is what the Most High warned us against in Exodus, the 20th chapter, have no other gods before him. Yeah, this God, Genesis, says... uh, Statue representing Janus Bifforns in the Vatican Museum. Two-headed or two-faced statue sits in the Vatican. All right. Going back to where I was reading that. It says, Janus frequently symbolized change and transition, such as the progress of past to future, from one condition to another, from one vision to another, and young people's growth to adulthood. He represented time because he could see into the past with one face and into the future with the other. Hence, Janice was worshipped at the beginnings of the harvest and planting times, as well as the marriages, death, and other beginnings. He represented the middle ground between barbarianism and civilization. Rule in urban space, youth and adulthood, having uh, jurisdiction over beginnings. Janice had a 
uh, instinction associated with almonds and auspices. So Janus, read as I read more of this, it says that he's synonymous with duality also. So this is where uh, um, Moab and uh, Ammon, some of the Chinese and the Japanese, get the whole, uh, you know, that duality um, thing that they have, picture that they be having up. Now, we know that there is duality in the Bible. The Most High did make one against another. Yes, he did. Like he made good, he made evil. So we do know that. But these people, they actually worship these deities. The Most High didn't make this stuff so we could worship it. The Most High created it for the natural cycle or the natural purpose of things because you have to have a hero and you have to have a villain. That's in any good story or book, and that's in life in general. You have a, a, what they call it, a protagonist and an antagonist. But we're not supposed to worship these things like the rest of the nations do. Now, let me see. I got another article I want to read on Mr. Janus here. This is from Common Era. Janus and the Ritual of the New Year. A Roman god with no Greek counterpart, Janus was deeply entrenched in the psyche of Rome, born long before the Greek pantheon was adopted by the Romans. Strange and ancient, Janus was depicted with two, sometimes four faces. So it says sometimes he has four faces. It says one face is always looking back, reflecting, analyzing, learning from the past. And this is, hence, at the end of the new year, y'all, supposed new year, they always have these, uh, the greatest movie of the previous year, the best song of the previous year, uh, the people we've lost uh, of that year or what have you. But this is all celebrating and worshiping Janus because we find out he is the God of reflection. And this is what people be doing on New Year's. They be reflecting about the previous year, singing that damn song. What's that song? May all the something, I don't even know the words. <laughs> you know the words? <laughs> something, may all the something, something. Da, 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 da. I don't know, man. But that damn song, that's the worship of Janice. So it says, strange and ancient, Janice was depicted with two, sometimes four faces. One face is always looking back reflecting, analyzing, learning from the past. The other looks forward, eyes filled with hope to the future. <laughs> this is where you get people say, I'm going to have a better year this year. Maybe prophesy. <laughs> Satanically. It says, uh, more, more, morphing than, more morphing than God. Oh, oh my, Really? Hold on, y'all. Oh, he said he think. Man, can you please verify that? My cousin Devin said, Oh, Zion is the name of that song. Please, if you could find the, the name of it. He said, I think. Get the name of it for show. And if you could get the lyrics, that would be 
Mucho to wild. That'd be great. Uh, where we at? Uh, more uh, more friends than God. Janice decided. <laughs> wow. So he's greater than the most high. Janice presided over doors and gates, and more importantly, what they represented, transitions. Ovid describes two-headed Janice, an opener of the softly gliding year, as a bit of an enigma. Janice did more than make sure people entered doorways in in ways that would bring luck. He had a he had a hand in everything. Evoked every sacrifice. Uh, what is this? Purveyor of all that begins again. The father of the year. <laughs> Y'all hear this? He's the father of the year. Hence, he's the 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 the, um, the month January's named after him. It says beginnings were sacred to the double-faced God, though he could be found on either side of the threshold, an exit in the same as an entrance, depending on which side you view it. Time is an orthodox, a snake eating its own tail. Under his protection were the beginning of the day, the month, the year, the first month, January. It is named for him. For those are also the end of the previous, a chapter closing, which he looks upon thoughtfully. All right. Now I got this one. This is the last thing I want to touch on, Janice, before I get into the scriptures. So let me see. So this is about the Times Square uh, ball that they drop every year, New York Times Square, y'all. So listen to this. The actual notion of a ball dropping to signal the passage of time. (laughs) Did y'all hear that? Let me read it again. The actual notion of a ball dropping to signal the passage of time. Dates back long before New Year's Eve was even celebrated in Times Square. I hope you all hear this. But what is this ball significant of? The passing of time. It signals the passage of time. What does the God Janus signify? The passing of time, the transition. I hope y'all are seeing this. Yes, we live in a pagan-ass world. I hope y'all, if y'all ain't getting nothing else out of this, I hope y'all are seeing this. This whole world is pagan. Or people running around trying to shame you because you ain't celebrating Christmas. You ain't trying to throw no damn New Year's Eve party and none of that nonsense. Pagans. They're antichrist. Oh, okay. New Year's Eve song. What is it? 
Odd Lang. Odd Lang Scene. That's the name of the song. What are the lyrics? Oh. Man, I need a magnifying glass. Uh. Wow. It says, should odd acquaintances acquaintances be forgot and never brought to mind? Odd acquaintances be forgotten and odd lang signed. Okay, oh, here's the translation. Should old acquaintances be forgot? And never brought to mind should old acquaintances be forgotten in days of long ago. So uh, the transition, this whole song is dedicated to Janet. Choir, I'm sorry, chorus. For for all long ago, my dear, for all long ago, we will take a cup of kindness yet for all long ago. We too have run about the hillsides and pulled the the da- what is this dash the dashes the daisies fine, but we have wondered daisies fine, but we have wondered many a weary foot for all long ago. We too have passed, waited in the stream. From noon unto dinner, but seas between us broad have roared since old long ago. And there is a hand, my trusty friend, and give us a hand of yours. And we will take a goodwill draught of hell for old long ago. What are they doing on this Eve? Getting faded. Getting faded and reminiscing. That's what this whole damn song is about. Reminiscing and moving forward. It's talking about friends of long ago, forgetting old acquaintances. <laughs> it says, and surely you will pay for your pint, and surely I will pay for mine, and we will take a cup of kindness yet for old long ago, man. Can't make this stuff up, y'all. Can't make it up. Pagan society. I'm going to read this again about the ball, and then I'm going to jump to the scriptures. It says, the actual notion of a ball dropping to, to signal the passage of time dates back long before New Year's Eve was, was uh, even uh, ever celebrated in Times Square. The first time ball was installed atop England's Royal Observatory at Greenwich in 1833. This ball would drop at one o'clock every afternoon, <laughs> allowing the captains to uh, captains of nearby ships to uh, precisely set their chronometers at vital navigational inst- or vital in the air. But this ball being dropped is the worship of Janus. And think about it. You got uh, thousands of people all gathered there at Times Square and then this big ball is dropping on in the month of January, the supposed New Year, the month of new beginnings. All these people that the ball is dropping, this is a sacrifice. 
I hope y'all understand this. This is sacrificial. This is sacrifice. And what goes on at 12? Everybody starts kissing and hugging each other, getting filthy, pissy drunk, and acting a damn fool, man. Now, let me get this. Let's get Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 8. This is what the Most High says. He says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. The end of a thing is better than the beginning. So should we be jumping up and down, talking about a damn new year and ain't even the new year? Talking about a new beginning? No, the Most High said the end of a thing is better than the beginning. And think about it, man. Me and my stepson, uh, what was it, Monday, we was doing yard work. And the yard, because it's been raining a lot, so the yard was uh, covered, uh, high grass, bunch of leaves, right? So I'm cutting the grass. I got him on on leaf patrol, leaf duty. And he, he he looked so discouraged when he came out with the rake, man. <laughs> and we, well, we go old school. I got a leaf blower. I use it for the debris, little the small debris, but not for the big leaves. Anyway, he looked so discouraged, man. And we got in there. I got to do cutting the grass. I helped him with the uh, leaves. And he looked so discouraged, man. But, like, towards the end, he started smiling. And I, I looked at him. I said, Oh, you didn't think we was going to get this done, huh? (laughs) And he smiled and looked at me and lied and said, Nah, I knew we were. (laughs) But he was so happy when we got done because he was just excited that he could go back and get back on his device. (laughs) Honestly. But I'm bringing this example out to show that how – the finished product, man, is what we cherish the most. It's not the beginning of the project. It's how it ends and finishes, man. And the most I had this right. Ecclesiastes 7 and 8 again, it says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And the patient in spirit is better proud in spirit. So what does it mean, the patient in spirit? You wait. You're waiting on the most high. You're not trying to control your own destiny. That's what a lot of people say at the beginning of this supposed new year. Oh, it's going to be a better year for me, man. I'm I'm speaking into an existence right now. And you hear people cheering them on. Yeah, speaking into existence like we control our own destiny. I'm guilty of it before I came into the truth. I remember celebrating New Year's Eve and, and saying, oh, I'm going to have a better year not knowing that I was making Janice my God. And there are other deities, there are other other gods that have power, y'all. Y'all better read the Bible. So you will have a better year. Things that that, that you, you talked into existence or you wanted to come to fruition, yeah, it'll happen. But don't think it's the most high. <laughs> don't think it's the God of the Bible. It's those other deities. Because the God of the Bible tells us, read this again, 
And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. The scriptures tell, as a matter of fact, get the, the one in Luke. Luke 21:19. We have to be patient and wait for the most high to open things up for us. Does this mean just be at a standstill? No, it does not. Because the scripture also says, what no vision is, the people perish. The scripture also says before the year ago. So, yes, we need to be planning. We need to be planning things and hoping that the most high bless it. Some of the things we plan, ain't gonna, they ain't going to happen right away. We have to be patient and wait on That's what the scripture is talking about. And the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Who's the proud in spirit? The people that don't want to wait. The people that want it right now. The people that will go through other means, other deities, to get what they want right now. This has always been Israel's problem, man. Go back and read the Bible. Read the scriptures. We want to do things the most high, the most high's way because you had to, you had to, first of all, put too much work in. You had to be clean. You had to be a certain type of way. You can't come to the most high any old kind of way. These other deities you can, though, and this is what we was doing. This is what we still doing. You got that in Luke? My, my reader has been so gracious. To join us, to to bless us with her presence. Please, can you read that, ma'am? Luke twenty one nineteen. In your patience, possess ye your soul. What does it say? In your patience, possess ye your soul. And your hurry up and rush, rush, and your wanting now attitude. That's that's where your soul lies at. Read it again. In your patience, possess ye your soul. Patience possess your spirit. You have to be patient, man. If you're patient, then you're in control of your spirit. It's a good thing to be in control of your spirit, man. Matter of fact, I got to get this one. Oh, man. Let's get Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28. So this is why it's so important to have patience. You have patience, then you're in control of your spirit. You ain't going to be hasty. And a lot of times we do a lot of stuff in haste. And we do a lot of stuff in haste and we make a lot of mistakes. Because we weren't in control of our spirit. Hence, being patient in our spirit. Now, read this. 2528. He that hath no rule over his own spirit. Now, listen to what it's saying. The person that does not have rulership over their spirit, meaning what? They ain't patient. They ain't patient. If you're patient, you get a chance to kind of survey things, to kind of think things through, to call and get some counsel. If you're patient. But if you ain't patient, you're just going with your initial thought. You ain't trying to get a second opinion. You ain't trying to think things through. You ain't seeing no far, no further than the present. You're hasty in your spirit. And therefore, you have no rule over your spirit. And because of it, read it again. He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Now think about it. If you have a city then quite naturally, you want to protect that city. And what would be your first uh, 
detail in protecting that city, putting a wall up, <laughs> putting a wall up. People that you don't want in, don't get in. And then you would have a gate at the main entrance of the wall of the city. So you can survey who comes in and out. So if you see somebody you don't want in there, nope, you ain't coming in. <laughs> You're not coming in. And then to fortify that wall, you would have patrolmen that did patrols around that wall to watch to make sure the clown that you told wasn't getting in ain't trying to throw a rope over or climb up some other type of way. You're patrolling that city and keeping it safe. So this is the analogy. If you're that hasty spirit that don't want no counsel, that ain't trying to be patient, that's trying to do the first thing that comes to your mind, then you're that city that's broken down without walls. You're not going to be protected. You're going to be vulnerable. I hope everybody's seeing this. If you're not patient like these pagan people is worshiping Janice, then you're not going to be protected by the Most High. That deity's only going to get you so far. And remember, when you serve these deities, y'all, there's a very stiff price that you got to pay. Hence, blood sacrifice. Y'all better uh, read up on Pussy. <laughs> How all his dirty lines are being brought out. Him and TD, TD Fakes. Y'all up in the club with underage kids. Why is it coming out now, though? Somebody didn't make their deity payment. <laughs> Somebody didn't pay the boule. Somebody didn't pay the Illuminati. Somebody didn't pay their dues. They supposed to be protected from that, huh? Once again, y'all, we live in a pagan society. Let's go to Revelations chapter 18. We're going to start at verse 1. And after these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. Now, the whole book of Revelations, if you don't know, y'all, the book of Revelations means to reveal. So in the book of Revelations, a lot of things get revealed by our brother John the Revelator, who got these revelations from the angel by way of the Most High, you know? And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the Great is fallen. What has fallen? Babylon the Great is fallen. Like I said earlier, the book, The Two Babylons, love it, wonderful book. There's actually three Babylons, y'all. Three. Stay with me. I did a whole class over this, too. There's ancient Babylon under Nimrod, okay? And that's where it all started. Nimrod and Meshava has been doing a great, excellent theories on the birth of Christ, Antichrist. He's been really going into it and going into all of this stuff started with Nimrod, his mother, Samaramis, all of that stuff. So the first Babylon, write this down, commit this to memory, y'all. It will help you understand the scriptures better. Ancient Babylon under Nimrod. That's the first Babylon. The second 
Babylon. It's Neo-Babylon or New Babylon. That's under the Nebuchadnezzar, his reign. All right? The third Babylon is, in fact, in fact, America. America. We're reading it here now. Let me prove it. Let me prove there's three Babylons. Give me uh, Psalms 137. And we're going we're gonna to find, find something else out important in this chapter. Psalms chapter 137. Now listen to this. Start verse 1. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept. Now, it says by the rivers of Babylon. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, Tiffany, it's a Babylon around 538 B.C.? No, 586, I believe it is. 586 B.C., the Babylonians took us into captivity. So it is talking about that. But watch this right here. Jump down to verse 7. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom. The children of who? Edom. The children of Edom. Edom is, in fact, the so-called white man, the so-called Caucasian. So remember him and all the Caucasians, whether it's a Russian Caucasian, German Caucasian, uh, French Caucasian, English Caucasian, um, Czechoslovakian Caucasian, or those Euro-Asian or Euro-Asian uh, Edomites. And when I say Euro-Asian, I'm talking about all the Stans, <laughs> Kakistan, and all of, all of that crap. Those people as well, Caucasians. Why? Because they, they came from out of the Caucasus Mountains. This is why they're named Caucasians. They know who they are. And that word means cave dweller. They were the original cavemen. So read this part again. Remember, O Lord, the children of Edom in the day of Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. who said, raise it, raise it, even to the foundation thereof. Now, what this is referring to is talking about when the Babylonians destroyed the first temple. The Edomites was with them. When it says raise it, raise it, burn it, burn it, down to the foundation of it. Esau was with the Babylonians. Read on. O daughter of Babylon. Who is the daughter of Babylon? Edom is the daughter of Babylon. You see this? Because they was with who? The Babylonians when they burned and sacked the first temple. So they're also a part of that Babylon thing. This is, like I said, the third Babylon. Read that part again. Mm-hmm. O daughter of Babylon. Who is Edom? Daughter of Babylon. Who is the so-called white man? Daughter of Babylon. Read. Who art to be destroyed? Happy shall he be that rewardeth thee as thou hast served us. So the very foot, the Edomites, Babylon the Great, the last Babylon, is that it's going to be destroyed. I hope everybody's seeing this. Now let's go back. To Revelation chapter 18 Revelation chapter 18 And verse 2 Ain't talking about 
ancient Babylon. It ain't talking about Neo-Babylon. It's talking about Babylon, third Babylon, Babylon the Great, the kingdom, the empire of the Edomites, the so-called white man. That's a fact. Read it. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the Great is fallen. Because it's already, we read it. We read the prophecy about them falling in uh, Psalm chapter 137. So it it, it was prophesied in Psalms that it was going to happen. In Revelation, we're reading the aftermath. It ain't happened yet. There's still prophecy. But we're reading it actually happening. Read it again. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the Great is fallen is fallen and is become the habitation of devils. What does it say this place is? The habitation of devils. The word devil means deceiver. It is the home of the deceiver. You know, that deceives everybody that tells you what? Jesus is the reason for the season. That Christ was born on December 25th. That's a bald-faced lie that our ignorant people won't even research. And then you show it to them and say, oh, I know. But it's for the kids, though. Tell you, man, niggas got more excuses than a little bit. Just reasons to be evil. Read on. And the whole place has become the hold of every foul spirit, read. And a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. And the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. Now, look at the analogies that is given. An uh, unclean and hateful bird. Think of a pigeon. <laughs> what do pigeons do, y'all? They eat scraps and they poop all over the place. And do people like pigeons? Hell no, they don't. They like rats with wings. They're very, what'd you say? Yes. And annoying. They get on your damn nerves. So it's saying that this Babylon the Great is the home of all those birds. Filthy pigeons that eat and poop. Uh, Also bats. Who likes bats? (laughs) That's an unclean and filthy bird because they do a lot of pooping. Just flying all around the place. Getting the people hair. Edomites anyway. Or think of a, a seagull when you go to the beach. Go to the beach and I dare you to go on the beach and eat you a sandwich. They will pluck that sandwich clean up out of your hand. Or give your kid a sandwich. They will pluck that sandwich or that food clean up out It's gone. So you think of any bird, a vulture. Uh, um, what's the other one? A buzzard Think of all those birds That you hate that you can't stand That are annoying The Bible saying that Babylon the Great Is that place Every foul spirit Every unclean bird It's a disgusting filthy place That's where we are right now In Babylon the Great The third Babylon That still worships Isis Horus, Semiramis, um, Tammuz, 
all these places go all these names go back to Nimrod and his mama. This place is in fact Babylon the Great, the third Babylon. So yeah, I just wanted to bring that out and share about Janet. Now we're gonna get into the class, man. Let's uh let's take a real quick, real, real quick intermission before we transition over to the class. No Janice either, y'all. Gotta say that, no Janice. <laughs> It was going to be brief. All right, let's go ahead and get into uh, the topic, Feast of Lights, man. Feast of Lights. So let's go uh, to Job chapter 8, verse 8. Like I said, I know the topic for us listening in on the computer uh, says purification part 2. We're going to have to change the title. Uh, The Spirit was on me to go ahead and do Feast of Lights. So Feast of Lights is also known as Hanukkah, y'all. This is where we get Hanukkah from. Uh, and I titled it Feast of Lights, man, because um, to me, man, we're still in Hanukkah. Um, and I said it because <laughs> what, we, what we used to do, y'all, was here in San Antonio years ago was we would celebrate Hanukkah when the children went out on their two-week break. Because it just made more sense, you know, rather than having them stay up every night. Because Hanukkah's eight days. You know, we had activities. We were going for eight days straight. And it just made more sense that they could sleep in instead of having to get up and go to school in the morning. So we would do it on their uh, winter break, man. So, like I said, for me, we're still in Hanukkah. Uh, but I tie this piece of light because my son, Rapa, he really loves the lights, man. And he came to me this year because this year, I ain't going to front, y'all. This year was kind of like a dry Hanukkah for us, man. I know for me it was. We didn't really put no decorations up this Hanukkah. We usually do, man. We usually go all out for Hanukkah. But he came to me, man, and hit me up. And uh, <laughs> the water machine, he hit me up. He's like, Dad, can I put the light up? And I was like, yeah, son, cool. So he put the lights on the staircase, and then he came back like a day or so later, 
and then I seen lights on the little bookcase they got in the front room. And, you know, I'm driving one night, and I'm looking at all the lights in the neighborhood. And I ain't no no Nimrod stuff. But, man, the lights are so pretty, man. They really are. And I was like, it is called the Feast of Lights. We had lights. The the menorah, a bunch of lights. We could do lights. (laughs) You know, which I had already came to this conclusion, hence why we had lights at the crib that Rapa was able to put up. But I was like, man, I wonder do other Israelites feel this way about the lights and maybe they are having some apprehension about, you know, the lights or, you know, they got to have a come to Jesus meeting because <laughs> they feel bad that they like the lights, man. So I'm like, man, y'all like the lights. We did lights. We 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 not only had the menorah with the lights, we had lights on the gates. I mean, we did lights. Anyway, that's why I titled it The Feast of Lights. So let's get Job chapter 8, and let's read verse 8. For inquire, I pray thee, of the former age, and prepare thyself to the search of their fathers. So the former age, and we bring we bring this out all the time. The former age is history. It's the age before you were thought of, the age before your parents were thought of, so on and so forth. It's history, but we're being told or instructed right here to inquire about the former age, which is history, which nobody likes to dig into, man, especially religious folk. They run around all day talking about Jesus, the reason for the season, but they can't find historical records of Christ being born on December 25th nowhere in the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible. So the Bible instructs us to inquire about the former age, which is history. Go do some research in the history book, also known as the Bible. Read. For we are but of yesterday. We are what? But of yesterday. He's telling us so much. <laughs> he says, we are but of yesterday. And Mashaba brought this out yesterday in his broadcast. History repeats itself. This is why I say we are but of yesterday. Now, this this is really what, what she said in the Matrix. This is really going to bake your noggin. <laughs> how are we but yesterday? And how does history repeat repeat itself, y'all? Because those spirits come back by way of reincarnation. Yep, I dare say it. Reincarnation is a real thing that does exist. How the hell could history repeat itself? How the hell could you have the things that happened in the past happening in the future? Because it's the same spirits doing the same things. Now, read this again in verse 9. For we are but of yesterday. And why would Job make this statement? <laughs> we are but of yesterday. Read. And know nothing. And we don't even know it. Didn't even know it. <laughs> Read. Because our days upon earth are a shadow. Meaning they're not long. Read on. Shall not they teach thee? Shall not what teach us? The past. History. Shall not history teach you? This be the problem. 
Don't nobody want to get taught about the history of the world, the history of the Bible, the, any ancient history. We think it's irrelevant. No, it's not. It's very relevant. Read. And tell thee and utter words out of their heart. We learn from our forefathers and their mistakes. Isaiah 45 and 11. Mm-hmm. Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his Maker, ask me of things to come concerning my son. He says, ask him of things to come. So we got the past with Job. Now we want to know what's going to come in the future. We got to do what? We got to look to the past. <laughs> That's what he's saying. History repeats itself. The Most High said, what reason again? Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his Maker. Ask me of things to come. Ask the Most High of things to come by way of what? Researching the past, the things that already happened. Read. Concerning my sons Mm -hmm. and concerning the works of my hands, Mm -hmm. command ye me. So if you want to know what's to come, what lies ahead of us, you got to go back to the past and research it. Now let's get Daniel chapter 10. We're going to start in verse 1. So let's get some history, y'all. All of this is leading us up to what the Feast of Dedication, the Feast of Hanukkah, or the Feast of Life is all about. But we got to go back and research it. All right, where we at? Daniel chapter 10 verse 1 In the third year of Cyrus King of Persia A thing was revealed unto Daniel Whose name was called Belteshazzar So this is when Daniel Was in captivity When the Israelites Specifically the uh, southern kingdom Was in captivity Under the Persian Empire Led by Cyrus the Great Or Cyrus the First Read on. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. So Daniel said um, he had got a vision, and he says the thing was true, but the thing was more uh, long. Read on. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. Daniel had understanding of this vision. Read on. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning. Three full weeks. So this vision affected Daniel so badly that he had to mourn. You're going to find out why, read. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. So this brother basically went on fast for three whole weeks. This is how bad this vision affected him. Read. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Tidecal, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with the fine gold of Euphrates. Now, who he's talking about is Christ. 
It's going to tell you when we get uh, to the rest of this chapter. Then you saw Christ. So this is one description of what Christ looked like in the book of Daniel. You also get John the Revelator's account in Revelation chapter 1. Read. His body also was like the barrel. So when it says his body was like the barrel, the garment that it describes that he had on the Revelation was of the barrel. The word barrel means green. So his garment was green. Read. And his face as the appearance of lightning. Illuminated. Read. And his eyes as lamps of fire. Mm-hmm. Christ and, drank wine. Read. And his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass. So in Revelations, it just has his feet. Here in Daniel, has his arms and his feet. It says polished brass. The way you polish brass is you burn it. They call that polishing brass or finishing brass to burn the impurities out of it. But the point here is that in color, and that, you know, what people like to say, God don't see color, um, color don't matter, et cetera, et cetera, all the nonsense we've heard over the years when you tell them that Christ is black. They, they find more reasons in a little bit to say that he ain't. But nobody tripped when they had Cesar um, Borgia's picture roaming around for hundreds of years. Ain't nobody said nothing. <laughs> oh, we'll roll with that. Yep, white boy. Yep, Christ white boy. Ain't nobody said nothing. But the moment we say otherwise and say black, oh, now people got a problem. Now niggas in the uproar. I mean, they don't want us to have no parts of antiquity. I know I'm kind of sideboarding right now, y'all. But it's been a minute since I've been on Block Talk. <laughs> I heard that they, they're coming out with uh, a movie about Hannibal, Hannibal Barker, and that Denzel is going to play Hannibal. And these uh, Tunisian people, are uh, in an uproar about it, saying that uh, Netflix is fabricating history because they're claiming that Hannibal was not black. That's a damn lie. Hannibal was, in fact, a black man out of northern Africa. (laughs) And that used to be a a province of Rome. But he is, in fact, was, in fact, a black man. But you got these people coming out saying, nah, he wasn't black. You know, and it goes back to how they was beefing over Netflix about this whole Cleopatra thing. And they was right. Those Arabs and Edomites was right because Cleopatra was, in fact, a white woman from the um, Ptolemaic dynasty. Um, so they got that right. But it's funny how when they bring up historical movies and they cast a black man or a black woman as the role, you know, staying historically accurate, then all of white people in the, in the, around the globe got a damn problem with it, man. No different than when you say Christ is black, the disciples was black, all the prophets, Moses, black. No different, man. It just really goes to show you how uh, white supremacy runs the world. Point blank, period, man. And these people really have psychological discomfort when acknowledging 
that black people were part of ancient society. You know, they want us just to be portrayed as the damn slave trade, and that's when we popped up on the scene. We just popped up as slaves. That's where we came from. We magically appeared just to be y'all free labor force. Come on, man. Like, we ain't got no damn origin. Y'all have an origin. Y'all came out the damn caves of uh, South uh, South Georgia, Russia, the Caucasus. That's y'all beginning, but we don't have a beginning. Y'all want to trace y'all roots back. Oh, yeah, Alexander the Great, but we ain't got no beginning. Stop, man. Stop. Turn the car around. Don't drown. All right, where we at? All right, we're in Daniel chapter 10, verse 6. His body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass. That's a black man. I don't care how you try to dice this up. That's a black man. I heard that coon and nigga Geno Jenkins say that God is a spirit. Therefore, he didn't have no color. More tomfoolery, man. More tomfoolery. Anyway, man, let me not get caught up in this. We don't. And the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. Mm-hmm. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. Mm-hmm. For the men that were with me saw not the vision. So the men, didn't, they didn't see it, but then you saw it. Read on. But a great quaking fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I was left alone and saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Mm-hmm. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. Mm-hmm. And behold, and hand out excuse me, and hand touched me which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. And he said unto me, O Daniel, a man greatly beloved, stand the words that I speak unto thee, and stand upright, for unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. So Christ stood Daniel up, read. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. Now, this is Christ speaking, and this is the part I wanted to get to. Christ is telling Daniel, man, I heard. I heard you. I heard your words. I heard you praying. I was intending to come to you and rap to you, but he said the prince of the king of Persia stood me. Read one and twenty days. Mm-hmm. But lo, Michael, 
one of the chief princes came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. With the kings of Persia. He said that uh, Michael, one of the chief princes, he's talking about uh, the angel, Michael, or also known as Michael Allah, the angel of war, came to help Christ. Now, he said that the king of Persia had withstood him. So what was going on right here was a transition of power, but this was taking place in the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm, y'all. I'm going to prove this. Hold this, and let's get Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 12. Now, the reason I'm going this way also is because we read in Job about we are but, but yesterday, and I made a bold statement that those spirits come back, and they do. They do. But we have to understand when, when things uh, happen on earth, they're not just taking place in the, uh, the world of men or the realm of men. They're actually taking place in the spiritual realm also sometimes before, sometimes simultaneously. So, read where we at? Colossians 1. Yep, read. Giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Right. So, it's talking about the Most High. Read. Who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. Of his dear son. Now, this, 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 keep in mind, we're talking about Christ now. Now, watch this. Read. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Facts. Read. Who is the image of the invisible God. So Christ is of the invisible God. Because remember, the Most High, we can't see. All the other gods have statues and stuff, deities. The Most High, we can't see him, but it tells us here that the Most High is the image, the express image of, of of God, meaning what? I'm sorry. It tells us that Christ is the express image of God, meaning what? That the Most High, Christ, look alike. So the Bible describes Christ as being a black man. So according to the scripture we're reading, the Most High is a black man. Mr. Jenkins. <laughs> Go back to the drawing board. But, you know, he's part of the clergy response team that get paid to say this nonsense. Anyway, let's go stick to the point. Let's get this read. The firstborn of every creature. Read. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, or principalities, principalities or strong demonic demons or spirits. Christ created all of this. So you ask, how is Christ <laughs> fighting with the king of Persia? He's fighting with the king of Persia in the spiritual realm. That's why we came here, but keep reading. Or powers, all things were created by him and for him. All right, so all things were created by Christ, even the spirits, even the spiritual realm. I hope everybody's seeing this. Let's get Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 7. Hebrews 
Hebrews 1 and 7. And of the angels he saith, Who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? So angels are also known as spirits. Once again, Christ, he created that realm. So he's in that realm. All right, let's get Ecclesiastes, no, Ecclesiastes, chapter 29, verse 28. Ecclesiastes 29. I'm sorry. I'm tripping. 39, 39. Ecclesiastes 39. And verse 28, yes. 28. There be spirits that are created for vengeance. So these spirits, a.k.a. angels, there's some that are created for vengeance. Read. In their fury lay on sore strokes. Mm-hmm. In the time of destruction, they pour out their force mm-hmm. and appease the wrath of him that made them. Because remember, it says they appease the wrath of him that made him. Who made them? Who's the father of the spirits? We already got that in Hebrews 1 and 7. The Most High. Read. Fire and hail and famine and death. So there's a spirit behind fire. There's a spirit behind hail. There's a spirit behind famine, death. Read. All these were created for vengeance. All created for vengeance by the Most High, read. Heat of wild beasts. There's a spirit of wild beasts, read. And scorpions. Read. Serpents. Read. And the sword. And the what? The sword. And the sword. There's a spirit of warfare. Hope y'all see this. Read. Punishing the wicked to destruction. Read. They shall rejoice in his commandments. Mm-hmm. And they shall be ready upon earth when need is. And when their time is come, they shall not transgress his word. Now, I want you to read that again. And when their time is come. No, no, no. Stop. They shall rejoice in his commandment. And they shall be ready upon earth. They should be ready where? Upon earth. Where? Upon earth. These spirits are going to be ready upon earth. So these spirits manifest themselves upon earth. The spirit of warfare manifests itself where? Upon earth. Read. When need is. And when the Most High has a need for them. Hope y'all see this. Read. And when their time is come, they shall not transgress his word. And they don't go against the Most High's word. Now, let's prove that they manifest themselves on earth. Let's get 2 Maccabees now, chapter 5. Uh, We're going to start at verse 1. Second Maccabees, chapter 5, verse 1. About the same time... Antiochus prepared his second voyage into Egypt. So this is talking about Antiochus or uh, Antiochus. The uh, is it the third? I think it's the third. Either the third or the fourth. So he made his voyage into Egypt. Read. And then it happened that through all the city, for the space almost of forty days, there were seen horsemen. Running in the air, in cloth of gold and armed with lances like a band of soldiers. 
it was horses running up in the air. What was it like, um, Pegasus? <laughs> no, that ain't what it's talking about, y'all. Let's find out what it's talking about. Read. And troops of horsemen in array, encountering and running in, running one against another, with shaking of shields and multitude of pikes and drawing of swords and casting of darts and glittering of golden ornaments and harness of all sorts. What does this sound like to y'all? This is a war. It's a war going on. But who's fighting this war, Reed? Wherefore, every man prayed that that apparition might turn to good. That that what? Apparition. What's an apparition? Can we please look it up? Let's find out what this big $20 word means. Apparition, a ghost or ghost-like image of a person. A what? A ghost or ghost-like image of a person. Hence the word spirits. Hence the word angels. So when people saw what was going on in Second Maccabees chapter 5, they said, man, I hope this turns out to be good. But what did they see? in the air fighting with pikes and horsemen and swords. They seen spirits. This was going on in the spiritual realm. So Antiochus was going to Egypt to make war. But before he even did it, you seen it manifest in the spiritual realm. I hope everybody's seeing this. This is the same thing that Christ is talking about in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 13. Let's go back there now. Let's read it again. Daniel 10. Verse 13. Verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and 20 days. This is Christ speaking. How did the prince of Persia withstand Christ? In the spiritual realm This is why Christ said this Read But lo Michael One of the chief princes Came to help me This is why he said Michael Or Michael Came to help him Who's Michael? The angel of war Not the man of war The angel Or the spirit Or the apparition Of war Had to come help Christ So Christ was fighting With the king of Persia In the spiritual realm Hope everybody's seeing this. Now, let's get uh, Daniel chapter 11. And we're going to read verse 12. And when he hath taken away the multitude, his heart shall be lifted up, and he shall cast down many, ten thousands, but he shall not be strengthened by it. Hold on, wait a minute. Let me make sure I got the right one. Give me a second, y'all. Mm-hmm. Hold on, I might have the wrong chapter.
I do have a run chapter. It's chapter 10. So we're going to stay in Daniel chapter 10 and read verse 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. Mm -hmm. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. And I remain there with the kings of Persia. So Christ is talking about this spiritual battle that he had with the king of Persia. Because what's going on right here, and we're going to get into it, is a transfer of power. Power happened in the spiritual realm first, then it manifests into the physical realm or the realm of men. Read on. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. So Christ is saying, I'm coming to let you know what's going to happen to the children of Israel in the latter days, in the later days. And this is why Daniel was sick, because what Christ is about to drop is that the children of Israel were going to go into another (laughs) captivity. Read. For yet the vision is for many days. And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face toward the ground, and I became dumb. And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. So Christ touched them, read. Then I opened my mouth and spake and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, by the vision, my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. Right. Like I said, he just got, got it dropped on him in the vision. That the children of Israel were going to go into another captivity. And I mind you, um, the children of Israel had already been in the Babylonian captivity. Then the Persian Medes came in. We went through that captivity. But in this vision that Christ just dropped on Daniel, the children of Israel going into a third captivity. This is why Daniel's sick. Daniel, like, man, can we get the hell out of here? Remember, this brother had been through two different. Uh, captivities Because he was Yeah Daniel Shaw did go through Two uh, different captivities Because he was in the Babylonian captivity And he ended up being In the Persian Me captivity It's all covered in the book of Daniel Go back and read Read 17? Yeah For how can the servant of this My lord talk with this lot Talk with this my lord for as for me, straightway there remains no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. It took away all hope from Daniel, man. Now, remember, uh, the Babylonian captivity was a 70-year captivity, man. 70 years. Then you had the Persian meat captivity right behind it. I don't know how long that lasts, but think about it, man. And now you're getting a vision dropped on you that you're going to go into a third captivity or the children of Israel are going to a third captivity. This brother was wore out. Read. Then there came again and touched me one like the appearance of a man. And he strengthened me and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee. Be strong. Yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened. 
and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Then said he, Thou wherefore I come unto thee? Like, man, you know why I came? Read. And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia? Christ said, I got to go back and fight this dude. Still in the, in the spiritual realm. But why is he fighting the king of Persia? Read. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. He's saying, when I leave, when this is all done, who's coming? The prince of Grecia. The prince of Grecia. And who he's talking about is Alexander the Great, coming into power around 333 B.C., after the uh, Persian Mede dynasty. This is what he's talking about. And y'all can go back and fact check this. This is all history. Read on. But I will shew thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that holdeth with me in these things but Michael, your prince. Michael was helping him fight in the spiritual realm. But the point I wanted to get from this also is that (laughs) this is an exchange or a transition of power. Hold on for a second, y'all. Mm-hmm. Damn. The brothers say they lost us. The brother Ariah. Michelle, I see you still on here, so we must be still broadcasting somewhere. Maybe it's over the phone that he lost us. Ariah. If you can hear hear me, or if I'm back on, shoot me a text and let me know. I I'm gonna keep going though. All right. So this is the transition of power that's going on. Um, the Persian Medes are going out. The Greeks are coming in. The Edomites are coming in. So let's read uh, Daniel chapter thirteen. I'm sorry, Daniel chapter eleven. We're going to read verse 13. Oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Let's read verse 1 first. Daniel 11, 1. Also, I, in the first year of Darius the Mede, even I stood to confirm and to strengthen him. All right, so... He got this in the year of Darius. Now, let's jump down to verse 13. Wait a minute. Wait wait a minute. Come on, man. I'm sorry, y'all. Sometimes we move too fast. What did I say? Yep, I'm tripping. I'm tripping again, y'all. Sorry. It's Daniel 10 and 13. That's what I want. Yep. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Now, he said the prince of Persia had withstood him. Now, we got to get this. Uh, let me see if I have it on here or is it on my other one? Here it is, Xerxes the first. What does it say? Let 
right, let's get this history, y'all. Read this. Tell me what you read from. From Wikipedia.org, Xerxes the first. And Daniel chapter 10 and verse 13, this is who uh, Christ is talking about. Xerxes the first. Read. Circa 518 through August 465 B.C., commonly known as Xerxes the Great, was a Persian ruler who served as the fourth king of kings of the Achaemenid Empire, reigning from 486 B.C. until his assassination in 465 B.C. So... The Achaemenid Empire is also known as the Persian Mede Empire or the Median Empire. And they said that he was the fourth um, king of that empire. So this is who Christ is talking about. So read on. He was the son of Darius the Great and Atosa, a daughter of Cyrus the Great. So this, this was the son of Darius the Great. Uh, I'm sorry, read it again. He was the son of Darius the Great and Atosa, a daughter of Cyrus the Great. So Darius the Great married Cyrus the Great's daughter, and they produced Xerxes the First. Read. In Western history, Xerxes is best known for his invasion of Greece in 480 B.C. His invasion of who? Greece. So this is what, once again, this is what Christ is talking about. Hold that and go back and read Daniel chapter um, 10 again, verse 13. Daniel 10, 13. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and 20 days. All right. Now go back here and read that last part. Which ended in Persian defeat. No, read the last part where it says he invaded Greece. Xerxes is best known for his invasion of Greece in 480 B.C. And this is what Christ talked about when he said that the, the king, the prince of Persia had withstood him because the Persian Mede Empire had invaded Greece. This is what Christ is talking about. But Greece was rising to power during this time. It had been prophesied that they were going to rise into, into power led by Alexander the Great. So read on. Which ended in Persian defeat. And the, and the Persians lost. <laughs> they lost the, that war. Now, read Daniel chapter uh, 10 and verse 20. Then said he, knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? Now, this is Christ speaking to Daniel. He said, you know why I come to you? Read. And now will I return to fight with the prince of Persia. You know, he say, I'm going back to fight with the prince of Persia, which Xerxes the first. I'm going back to fight with this dude. Read. And when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. <laughs> and when it all is over, the prince of Grecia, Alexander the Great, he's going to come and he's going to be in power. So this was prophesied. That's why we matching the history up with it. Now, give me uh, this other article on Xerxes. Leave us this one.
Yeah, that's all I want is right there. And that's this is from Wikipedia too. From Wikipedia.com. While today the king of Esther is usually identified as Xerxes the First, the ancient traditions identify him with his son, Artaxerxes the First. All right, so there was a lot of these Xerxes characters, y'all. Just so we don't get them mixed up. There's the uh Exerces and Artaxerxes are not the same people. All right? I want us to understand this. Now let's get uh, I hope this is the right scripture how to talk. Daniel chapter eleven and verse one. Also, I, in the first year of Darius the Mede, even I stood to confirm and to strengthen him. That's the right one, yeah. Read. And now will I shew thee the truth. Behold, there shall stand up yet three kings in Persia. Mm-hmm. Three. Remember what he said, three. Read. And the fourth shall be far richer than they all. And by his strength, through his riches, he shall stir up all against the realm of Grisha. Against all the realm of Grisha. Now, I said that the fourth one was going to do this, and the fourth one was the uh, the more, he was the richest of the uh, Achaemenid dynasty. And that fourth one that it's talking about is talking about Xerxes uh, the first, because you had... Uh, Cyrus the Great. Then you had, matter of fact, let me get it. I'm sorry, y'all. Let me find it real quick. Thought I had it in here. Let me look on my other one. It might be on this one too. Hmm. No, it's my Greek stuff. Bear with me, I'm looking for it. You had Cyrus, you had Darius, and then you had um, Xerxes the first, and then you had um, Xerxes the second, and he was the uh, he was the most powerful or the richest. Of the four, and he was the one that was going to go to war against or stir up the realm of the Grecians. He was the one that was going to stir up the realm of the Grecians, and this is what Christ was alluding to in Daniel chapter 10 and verse 20. And 
Let's go now to First Maccabees chapter one. So now we're going to get into the nitty gritty, y'all. So I had to give the backdrop of it before I got to the Greeks and the Greeks coming into power before we can start dealing with Maccabees. Just wanted to give us the background story and to connect the dots with the Bible and history. All right, so read this. First one. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> First Maccabees 1, 1. And it happened after that Alexander, son of Philip, the Macedonian, who came out of the land of Chetim, had smitten Darius, king of the Persians, and Medes, that he reigned in his stead, the first over Greece. So, when they say that he had smitten uh, Darius, king of Persia, he's talking about that lineage, all right? It says, in the Medes, and he reigned in his stead, the first over Greece. Now, remember, they called Philip a what? They called him a Macedonian. So these were the Macedonians coming into power. So let's get some information about the Macedonians. Let's go to the rest of Esther in the Apocrypha, chapter 16, verse 10. So we're going to the rest of Esther, chapter 16, verse 10. And read this For Amon A Macedonian Amon was a what? Macedonian Now this is where we get the story of Esther uh, Amon Was a major key part of this But we find out that this dude was a what? A Macedonian He's a Macedonian, read The son of Amadatha Being indeed a stranger From the Persian blood so he was not a Persian, and it said that he was the son of Amadathia, right? Mm-hmm. Now, let's get Esther chapter 3 and verse 1 in the Bible. That's the Yep, in the Bible. So we're going to Esther chapter 3 verse 1 in the Bible, y'all. After these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. Now, in the Apocrypha, it calls him a Macedah, because it's in the Greek. Hamadatha, yes. Right, it's in the, in the Hebrew here. So it says, after these things did Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. Now, in the Apocrypha, it said that Amon was a Macedonian, right? Mm-hmm. But then in the Bible it says he was an Agite, right? Mm-hmm. So, an Agagite. So we got to find out who are these Agagite people. Let's go to First uh, Samuel chapter fifteen, verse eight. Come up. Yeah, hold it. We're coming back to it. So we're going to first Samuel chapter fifteen verse Damn. So we we're gonna finish this point before we shut it down. First Samuel fifteen and verse eight, read it. 
And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, no, alive. This, this is Samuel. I'm sorry. Um, Saul. Saul. This was Saul. The Mosai told him to kill Agag. But it said he did what? He took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. And so this Agag, and remember, Haman was called an Agagite, right? Mm-hmm. After his forefather Agag, and Agag, we find out was the king of who? The Amalekites. Now remember, Agag was also known as a Macedonian. So the Macedonians, the Agites, and the Amalekites are all the same people. I hope everybody's seeing. Read that part again. And he took Agag, the king of the Amalekites, alive. Now, read uh, Esther uh, 3 and 1 mm-hmm. again. After these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. The Agagite, also known as the Amalekites, also known as the Macedonians. Hope everybody's with me. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 36. Because remember, Haman was known as a Macedonian, he was known as an Agagite, and he was known as an Amalekite. Mm -hmm. Let's find out who the hell are the Amalekites. Genesis 36, and we're going to start at verse 1, and we're going to jump up. Genesis 36 and 1. Now, these are the generations of Esau. The generation of who? Esau. So we're going to be talking about who? Esau. Esau, the so-called white man. Now, jump to verse 15. Who is Edom? He is what? Who is Edom? Esau, his his other word, a.k.a. Edom. He's the father of the Edomites. Verse 15. These were dukes of the sons of Esau. So these are Esau's dukes, but his sons. Read. The sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn son of Esau, mm-hmm. Duke Teman, mm-hmm. Duke Omar, mm-hmm. Duke Zepho, mm-hmm. Duke Kenaz, mm-hmm. Duke Korah, mm-hmm. Duke Gadam, mm-hmm. and Duke uh, Am- excuse me, Duke Amalek. Duke who? Amalek. So who's Amalek? He's the son of Esau. So who, who is uh, Agag? The king of the Malachites. He's son of Esau. Who is Haman? Son of Esau. I hope everybody's seeing this. If you go and look this up, who are the Amalekites? Trust me, I did it. They're going to have you believing that they're the Arabs. They're going to have you believing that they're the Arabs, but that's not so. We just pulled out of the Bible who these people are. They are the sons of Esau. And Esau is not the Arab man. I want us to understand this. Esau is the Macedonians. The Amalekites are the Macedonians. As a side note, when you look up the Macedonians, you find out that the Macedonians were also the Ottoman Turks that came into power around the late 1500s. Also known, that time period is also known as the Renaissance era. The word Renaissance means rebirth. What was being reborn? The so-called white man. 
you don't believe me, go back and check portraits of the Renaissance era. You'll see all white people. I remember that damn class I had to take in high school. I took an art history class or art class because I thought I was just going to be drawing up in there. <laughs> they come out with these damn art history, boring art history books. And what was the feature? The Renaissance era. And it was a bunch of white people looking like angels and hippies on angel dust and naked and all this other stuff. But that was them coming back into power, coming back into power because previously was the dark ages where you had dark people in rulership and powerful, powerful positions, also known as the Byzantine era, which means the word Byzantine means contrary. It was contrary because you had black people in power instead of white people. All right, y'all. I think that this is a good place to stop because we've established that uh, Haman was known as a Macedonian. Also, Alexander the Great was known as a Macedonian. And their lineage goes all the way back to the Amalekites, Esau's sons, so-called white people. So what was Alexander the Great? He was a Caucasian. He was a white dude. All right? Let's let's wrap it up and read that again in uh Mac first Maccabees chapter one verse one. Because no 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 white person will argue about Alexander the Great being a Caucasian. They will not argue about this. This is their claim to fame. This is when their history of the rise to power started. They will always refer back to him. And they're right. He was. <laughs> the Macedonians were Edomites, though. Okay? Mm-hmm. And it came, And it happened after that Alexander, son of Philip, the Macedonian. The who? Macedonian. Also known as the Amalekite. I hope everybody's seeing this. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind, and Lord willing, we'll come back, uh, I don't know, maybe Tuesday, maybe next Thursday, I don't know, whatever the most high opens up for us. And we will continue this topic. Please tune in. You definitely want to hear it. Uh, we got some real interesting things we're going to go into about our people, about what was going on during this time period and eventually uh, work our way up to Hanukkah. What is, what is it? The Feast of Lights. What is it? What is it about? Why we celebrate it? All that good stuff. I just had to uh, lay down some groundwork before we could even get into it, y'all. But I want to say uh, the water for everybody tuning in, the water for everybody supporting Blog Talk. I'm sorry we lost some listeners, it seems, uh, in the broadcast. Blog Talk got some real fishy stuff going on, real, real que- questionable stuff. Well, we'll figure it out, y'all. But I hope everybody got some edification out of it. Uh, the water, the water, the water, Mashaba, for fighting through all the rigmarole, dealing with blog talk with your emails, man, and your consistency, uh, your due diligence, and um, getting this right, man, so we can go back on, man. Appreciate that, I, your uh, your work is greatly appreciated I, and supported. So with that, y'all, 
Until next time, Lord willing, man, we're going to say shalom. Mm-hmm.